Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from out of Nehemiah. We are beginning a study today on the book of Nehemiah. We're going to begin with the first chapter, the first verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Cheslev, in the 20th year, I was in Susa, the capital. One of my brothers, Hanani, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews that survived, those who escaped the captivity, and about Jerusalem. They replied, The survivors there in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard these words... I sat down and wept and mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you night and day for your servants the people of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, today we are grateful for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your word and how your word guides us and directs us. We now pray, Lord, that you would speak in a way that we can understand and Lord, may your word come alive as we hear. May seeds be planted in our hearts that would cause us to spring forth to new life. Lord, guide our way. We now pray in Jesus' name. Amen. After now spending more than a year in this pandemic, many people are beginning to ask some very important questions. It seems as though there is some light now at the end of this pandemic tunnel. And people are asking, what lies ahead as we come out of this pandemic? What will post-pandemic life be like? When will things return to normal? And what will that normal really look like? Will it be a new normal? You know, these are very important questions for all of us. Uh, the answers will shape nearly every aspect of our lives because nearly everything in our lives have been affected by this COVID-19. COVID-19 has imp impacted things like being with family, uh, going to church, going to school, how we shop, how we go out. All of these kind of things are, are, have been changed and impacted by COVID-19. And while most of us know that uh, we will hopefully go back to some kind of normal, we're not really quite sure what it's going to look like. We're not quite sure what we need to do. We're not quite sure how to get to where we need to go. And many of us think that probably some things that have been changed and altered and some things that have disappeared for this past year may never return again. It seems in moving forward, 
we got a lot of building to do and a lot of rebuilding to be done. Areas of our lives, areas of our church will have to be constructed and reconstructed again. And yet we really don't know exactly what all that looks like. And so we're in this unusual place. In one of God's great treasure chests, we find a map that I believe can help us in going forward. Not only figuring out how to move forward, but to build and to rebuild those things in our lives, in our world, that are very important to our health and vitality. This biblical gem won't exactly give us the particular answers we may be looking for, but it provides a way forward. For the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is this biblical gem, this treasure that God has given us that can help us in moving forward. I believe as we look at this book, we can find some ways that can help us in our moving forward. Nehemiah's story unfolds in the middle of the 5th century BCE. But in order to understand Nehemiah's story, you've got to go back at least a century and a half earlier. You see, in 586 BCE, Jerusalem was completely conquered by Babylon and the city fell with a thud. When Babylon left Jerusalem, Jerusalem was not only in ruins, but they took with them any Jew of standing as an exile back to Babylon. All that was left in this sacred holy city, the capital of the Jewish nation, were a few poor people who had virtually nothing, a city whose walls had been torn down, a temple that had been destroyed, and the gates were no longer in existence. Seventy years later, in a fulfillment to a prophecy by Jeremiah, many Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. That happened because the Medo-Persian emperor who had led in the conquering of Babylon had passed a decree that Jews could return to that city to rebuild their sacred shrine, the temple. Now, it was a rather bumpy road for those who happened to return. It wasn't easy going, and it was a couple of decades before the rebuilding of the temple was complete. And then after the rebuilding of the temple, while there was a place to worship, the city was in a dire situation. And for a few more decades, the city lay in that condition. It was during that period of time that there was a man who was a part of the Persian Empire who was a Jewish fellow. His name was Nehemiah. Nehemiah's ancestors at some point had been a part of that group who had been taken away as exiles from Jerusalem. And as the years and decades had passed and Nehemiah had been born into this world some way, he had... Uh, he had kind of advanced and he had become a member of the, the, the Persian emperor Artaxerxes' court. He had a high position. Nehemiah, like so many of his 
Jewish friends had a love for the homeland. Probably he had never stepped foot in Jerusalem. Probably he had never stepped foot in Palestine. But he had a love for the homeland. And then while he was serving in the royal courts, some friends came, some, a delegation from Jerusalem came to Susa, the winter capital of Persia. And they came calling upon Nehemiah. And Nehemiah asked the question, how are things at home? How are things at home? Hananiah, his brother, and the delegation went on to tell him that things weren't good. Things were bad. They explained that the city was in shambles, the walls of the city had been torn down and the gates were no longer in existence. They had been burned. You know, in our modern cities, the, the beauty and uh, significance of our cities is seen in their skyline. Uh, we can see pictures on screens of particular cities and, and, and we, can, we know what that city is by the skyline. In the ancient world, it wasn't the skyline that made a city beautiful or significant, but it was its walls. Its walls defined the city. Not only were the walls the defining mark of the city, but the walls were also the first line of defense against enemies. And Jerusalem lay in a desperate state, its people filled with shame. When Nehemiah heard the condition of the city, he was literally knocked off his feet. He had to sit down to take in what had been told. He began to cry and to weep and to mourn. And he wept and mourned for several days. Seven or eight months before uh, the COVID pandemic struck, I was introduced to an author uh, by the name of Todd Bolsinger, who in his book, Canoeing the Mountains, addresses a matter called adaptive change. Some of you may be aware of that, and I'm not going to dive into what that is. But, but Todd in his work... Uh, was seen to be almost a precursor to what was about to happen in preparing many believers for the pandemic that was ahead. Uh, since the pandemic struck, I've had the opportunity often to hear Todd on some uh, webcasts and have found him to be very insightful. And many here in the church have listened to some of his webcasts as well. But Todd, I've heard him several times say this. He says, change is difficult and people resist change. But then he goes on to clarify that it's not so much that people resist change, but what people resist is what happens when change takes place. You see, when change comes, 
People experience loss. People experience loss. And loss hurts because loss brings grief. Grief brings pain. And Todd Bolsinger says that people resist that loss and pain. You know, during COVID-19, this season that we've been in, we have experienced a significant amount of loss, haven't we? Uh, some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost income. Some people have lost uh, being in person with friends and colleagues, spending time with family. Uh, some have lost time shopping out in public. Some have lost time eating out. Some haven't been able to attend school in person. And the list just goes on and on of the loss that we've experienced during COVID-19. And I don't know about you, but I've often found myself in an emotional funk during this COVID-19 season. Can any of y'all relate to that? Can you, I can't see people you know, at home in their, in their living rooms and such, but how about here? Have you experienced some of that funk, that emotional funk, just kind of being down? And how much of my emotional funk, while it, while it comes because so many areas of my life have been impacted and I've since lost in so many areas, I guess it's most been felt as being a pastor of this congregation. There, there are so many ministries in this church which uh, haven't happened in this past year that I have really missed and have caused a source of grief because they haven't happened. Uh, one of those was, uh, you, know, you know, we didn't get to have the, the, the women's soup uh, on Ash Wednesday, and I, I really miss that. And you all who've experienced that, y'all are already kind. I can see some tears in your eyes right now. You know, it would be at this time of year that uh, uh, your, your pastors and uh, some of your staff and some other folks would be engaged with 6th uh, uh, and 7th graders in confirmation. And while that can be sometimes kind of a hairy ride, I miss that. It's sad that that's not happening this year. Now, our choir does and did a great job this morning, but I miss seeing all those seats being filled, Brett, and I bet you do as well. You know, I, I miss our front porch meals. I, I miss uh, greeting folks after services and and I, 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 you know what I miss most? I, I have missed hugs. I, I'm a hugger by nature, and I've missed those hugs. And then a lot of things we've done have just not been the same. I, I'm part of a small group, and we've been meeting, but we've been meeting by Zoom, and it's okay, but it's not the same. It's not the same as sitting around the table at Cracker Barrel. And yeah, you get the theme here. I talk a lot about food. And I like food, but I like people even more than food. And, and things just have been different and there's so much loss and I felt this emotional funk. And most of us have experienced a sizable amount of loss and that loss in this season has brought grief and that grief brings pain and this grief is magnified even by the fact that we don't know exactly what things are going to be like post-pandemic what will it be like you know grief 
is a God-given emotion. But even this emotion that's God-given can lead us to a dark place. You see, for many, grief drags down into a place of depression. And some people feel like giving up when that depression comes. And with that grief comes the temptation to say, it's no use, I quit. And some give up the fight, some give in, some surrender. And some are paralyzed by grief. For Nehemiah, he was grieved when he heard what had happened or wasn't happening in Jerusalem. He was grieved. What he had hoped was true there was not true. He was grieved. He had a sadness about his homeland. But fortunately for Nehemiah, his grief did not lead him into a depression where he gave up. But he turned to what was the greatest resource that he had at his disposal. He prayed. He turned to God and shared his thoughts with God. Nehemiah realized that he did not have the resources or power really to change anything about things in Jerusalem. So he turned to the one who had both. He turned to God. Nehemiah's prayers were taken to a deeper level because his praying was not only involving talking to God, but he also practiced another meaningful spiritual exercise called fasting. He wanted his prayers to be focused, and so he gave up something important in his life for a period of time so his prayers could be focused, his attention undivided as he prayed to God. He denied himself physical satisfaction for a, a much more important spiritual reason. Nehemiah's grief led him to a good place and a good practice. If now our journey of grief through COVID and the uncertainty of what lies ahead in our future, if we can hit your ride on focused prayer, I believe it will take us to a very different place, a, ve a better place. For you see, when we pray, God hears our prayers. God is with us. God is beside of us. God is even experiencing the depth of pain that we experience. God will be with us as we seek to reveal what has been lost. God will guide us to build what is needed so that we can get to the place God wants us to be. Now there's a little doubt in my mind that every person gathered here in this sanctuary this morning during this season of COVID-19, of those that are listening online, that all of us during this pandemic have spent some time praying. It's done a good thing for us in that way. But I think now it's time for our prayers to go to a different level, to go deeper. For Nehemiah, his praying was not merely a prayer every now and then but he was engaged in a season of prayer. In the story, we're told that he mourned and prayed for days. 
Now, if you do the math that Nehemiah has from chapter 1 to chapter 2, when he got the news and then when he finally was able to do something about it, about four to five months passed between that time. And I'm convinced that it was during that period of time that he was steadfastly praying to God throughout that particular period. In the New Testament, the book of James, the author tells us something about the nature of prayer. He says this, he says, strong prayers of the righteous are effective. As we begin to climb out of this pandemic and look to an uncertain future, we need to do some strong praying. We need to get serious about our connection to God. We need healing from grief that we've experienced. We need direction in moving forward. We need strength in doing what God will call us to do. We need divine favor. We need prayer to create channels through which God's grace can flow and these can be taking place in our lives and in our community. So this morning, I want to give to all of you this challenge. This church, along with all churches around this globe, are in a precarious place. Our future is uncertain. And we can lose much in terms of ministry and people. If we fail to take the right course to build what needs to be built, we will experience great sustained loss. But not only will the church lose, but our world will lose. This world needs the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the hope of the world. Our church makes a difference in this community and the surrounding community and in communities around the world. Our church makes a difference. And we desperately need God's guidance and favor in moving into an uncharted land. So my challenge is for you to pray for your church. But not only this church, but for God's church around the world. And I want to ask you, in the days ahead, that you would every day be praying for your church. Pray for your church. Ask that God would help us to discern what's needed, where we're headed, what's taking place. I encourage you, choose a time to pray. Maybe it's when you first get up in the morning. Maybe it's when you go to bed at night. Maybe it's at a meal time. Maybe it's at a special time during the day. But choose a time when you pray. Put it on your smartphone. Get an alarm that will remind you to pray for your church. And then I'm going to ask you to do something this week. And you may want to do it more than this week, but I'm going to ask you to fast. You don't hear Methodists talking much about fast because we like to talk more about feasting. And you heard that earlier in the sermon. But I'm encouraging you to fast. To do without food for a, a meal, a few meals a day. You might do a John Wesley fast where you eat the evening meal one evening and then eat dinner the next evening. Go basically for a 24-hour period of time. Maybe you have a hard time giving up food. 
But maybe you can give up social media or television or something for a 24-hour period. And in the place of those activities in your fast, focus, time, and prayer. And I encourage you to do that one day this week. Maybe you can put it into your normal schedule that you do it weekly or monthly that you're doing a fast. But we got to get serious about our praying. These are serious days ahead. I believe that God's got great things in store, but we've got to tap into it. And the only way we're going to tap into it is through prayer. Nehemiah teaches us that lesson, and I hope we can learn that lesson well. And we will become even a more devoted people of prayer. Let's pray. Let's pray that God will move among us. Let's pray that God will do His great work. Let's pray that God will send revival. Let's pray that we can latch hold of where the Spirit's leading us and go to those places that God has in store for us. This morning, I'm delighted that this is Communion Sunday because communion time is a time of prayer. A time of confession and a time of praying as we prepare at the table. This morning, I want to lead you in a time of confession and then Amanda's going to come and lead us in our communion service. But the prayer of confession is Nehemiah's prayer. If you continue to read on in chapter 1, you would see basically the essence of the prayer that we're about to pray. And I want to invite you to join now in the praying of this prayer. Let us pray. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, we pray before you. We confess the sins we have sinned against you, both I and my family have sinned. We have offended you deeply by failing to keep the commandments to love you with our whole heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants and forgive us. Give success as we face the future before us. Amen.